Alrighty, good afternoon everybody. This is Bo Boatman and welcome to the Modern Counterculture Podcast. Um, here we are, uh, this is uh, the first episode. Um, not quite sure how to really run this thing and I've kind of had to restart a few times now, but uh, I guess we'll just uh, work this out uh, together. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, so right now I'm uh, just recording this from the FGCU Media Room, uh, one of the perks of being at a university is I get access to all these nice amenities, such as this recording uh, station. Um, so uh, I plan on putting these out probably on a weekly basis. Um, but before I kind of talk more about that, I want to talk a bit about myself. Um, in case you don't quite understand or know about uh, what the modern counterculture is all about. Uh, so I'm Bo Boatman. Um, I am a sophomore at Florida Gulf Coast University. Um, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, um, and I just so happen to enjoy politics and talking about culture. Um, and this sort of interest has always been pertinent within my life, although it kind of blossomed back in 2016. Um, and back then it was kind of became evident that it's it was something that I wanted to go into, um, and I didn't really act on it to any major degree until about, um, I'd probably say the summer of 2021, um, where I was posting on Facebook about the certain things I was seeing and the uh, and just the social sphere um, in terms of my little echo chamber on Facebook. I would put things out, uh, you know, Bible verses, or, or um, I would, you know, give my I would analyze certain things and I would put that out there for people to enjoy and people would say, oh, I really, I like this. I'd like for your thoughts and I really appreciate you putting, putting those out. Um, and it got to the point where it was kind of like, well, I'd like to keep a registry of, of all of these thoughts and um, you know, make sure that I'm keeping track of everything and you know, have something to look back on. So um, I reached out to an old friend of mine um, who was actually um, like a, he, he worked on websites. He was a web designer, and he, I asked him, like, hey, can you, is there any way I could pay you to design this site for me or anything like that? I wanted to basically have, like, a little personal blog going on. He's like, yeah, I'll then just do it for free, which was really sweet of him. Um, and um, he went ahead and spent about probably two months working on the site, and um, I suddenly had the themoderncounterculture.com. Um, it was uh, the name I came up with. Um, kind of in the process of, uh, of designing the site. Um, the name is derived from the, uh, the original counterculture. Uh, the, the counterculture uh, of the 1960s um, was basically the, it was the cultural revolution that took place wherein you had um, the, the racial reforms with uh, the Civil Rights Act, you had the sexual revolution, um, where people started to distance themselves from the nuclear family and say, oh, you can sleep around with whoever you want, or you can do this or that, or you can sleep with somebody of a different gender, or um, things like that. Um, and what's interesting, what I've kind of come to conclude from that is the counterculture of the 1960s um, has to some degree become the mainstream culture of today. If you really look at the just the 
the fundamental aspects of that counterculture, all of it has seeped into the mainstream media or the culture that um, m much of the progressive side of uh, politics tends to triumph. Um, so, you know, you, you look back and see, you know, these the seeds of, of um, derision kind of being planted back then with, you know, you, no, you don't need to, to get married to, to be in a sexual relationship. Oh, we don't need to do this and we don't need to do that. And, you know, you see these, these, these long-standing rules that kind of held, you know, the familial aspect of society together start to fragment. And now you're to the point now where you have, you know, you know, transgenderism and the whole uh, theory behind that and the, the, the cascading um, understandings regarding, uh, you know, gender uh, spectrums. Um, and now you're seeing it even going into schools for uh, and falling into the hands of minors of this, this ideology. Um, and people praise it. They triumph it. And they, uh, they herald it as, as fresh and, and needed in society. Um, and what I really wanted with the words I put out there was to be the antithesis of that. Uh, I wanted something that could call back to the way things were before this, even even beyond just the nuclear family of the, the 40s and the 50s. Um, I'm talking about like the biblical family. That's not just the, the mother and the father in the household. I'm talking about, you know, uncles and aunts and grandparents and all of these uh, familial uh, relationships being within a common community, um, all constantly sort of edifying one another. Um, and to some degree, you know, today that is somewhat taboo if you really look at it. Um, so that's how I kind of came up with the name, uh, the modern counterculture. Um, and so, yeah, I, I got that site all together. Um, I started putting some things out there. Uh, I had a, uh, you know, just certain, I would go out and I would uh, document things. I would uh, record my understandings. I had longer drawn out things. I had uh, passion projects like uh, stuff with music um, but um, right around I think it was my first semester here at FGCU which would be I think the fall of 2021 um, I had sort of an interesting idea that came to mind um, as I was walking around campus and I'll go into that right now um, so I was just getting acquainted with the with the campus, um, you know, walking around. I was just coming from one of the parking garages and walking by the cafeteria. And I happened by a poster that had been put up that said, or had a slogan on the front that said, expose fake clinics. And I wasn't quite sure at first what it meant by this. It, 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 there wasn't much information given on it from what I can remember. Um, and they had a little QR code on there, so I went ahead and scanned the QR code. Um, it turns out this poster was advertising a petition um, that was being uh, organized by the Young Democratic Socialists of America, the, basically a, a chapter of the organization at FGCU. Um, and the petition was stating that there was a resource van on campus from a pregnancy resource center um, that was 
essentially um, putting out false information regarding pregnancies, um, guilting people out of abortions, um, not providing the correct access to abortion, um, and was uh, to some degree, uh, you know, trying to think of a word here, um, putting out, like, uh, religious propaganda to some degree. Um, and I was, to some degree, taken aback by this because uh, in the past I had, I had been to, um, like, political uh, events and such, and I had been around uh, the pregnancy resource centers, uh, specifically the PRC of Southwest Florida and uh, community pregnancy clinics, um, and I had seen the way they had operated. Um, this all, this petition also uh, referenced and, and, and alluded to the to basically stating or making the claim that these uh, this resource van didn't have professional medical professionals on staff, and these centers basically didn't have uh, like the correct um, you know, privacy uh, like the privacy I forget the name for it, but like it, it didn't have they weren't HIPAA certified and um, once again, I, I didn't think that this was accurate uh, from what I understood about these resource centers um, because I had talked to many people involved in them. They were, they were legitimate doctors that worked at these centers. So uh, I kind of got the idea. I was, like, I was just sitting down one day. I was like, well, what if well, th- this, this petition is out there, you know, being put out to students, um, and they don't know what – you know, a pregnancy resource center is. They don't know. They haven't been around them. They, ha- they have no experience with it. Um, and they just see this petition that's saying, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing whatever. And they don't ha- see the other side. They don't see what the pregnancy resource centers say. And they'll just go and sign the petition, and the van will get taken off of campus. Um, so what I went ahead and did um, is I reached out to, I believe, I, was, I think I reached out to three. I think I only got in contact with two no, local resource centers. I reached out to the PRC of Southwest Florida, and and I reached out to the CPC. Both of them got back to me very quickly. I told them my idea. Um, I basically wanted to meet with two executives uh, with the resource centers and sit down and talk with them about these claims. Um, and both of these uh, centers were so kind uh, to basically have me sit down with like the executive directors of both places, uh, it was it was a fantastic experience. I, I sat down with uh, Nicole Shanks, who is uh, I believe the director over at the Pregnancy Resource Center of Southwest Florida. And then I sat down with Scott Byer, uh, who is the director for the uh, community pregnancy clinics, which is which is actually quite um, it's crazy to kind of sit down with them because CBC is I believe the second largest um, like organization that has resource centers in the United States. So it's a big name, and I, I had the opportunity to sit down with them. So I went ahead and met with both of them um, over the course of about two months, and I went ahead. I had just formulated up some, some questions. I sent it over to them. We sat down, and we had an interview. Um, and it turns out that these resource centers, well, for one, they were they did have – uh, protections in place for privacy. Two, they had actual medical professionals on staff that were licensed. Three, they made it very clear that you know if you want to go get an abortion, fine. In fact, they offered free uh, ultrasounds to to people who are going to go and get abortions, which is something that pregnancy that something that Planned Parenthood doesn't do. They charge you for all of that. Um, and 
um, for what's mo- what was most interesting was the fact that the actual van that was on campus wasn't even providing pregnancy aid. It was actually there to provide free uh, STD testing for gonorrhea and chlamydia to students, free of charge. Just you can go in there, no questions asked, and they'll, they'll do the test and everything. Um, they won't mention anything about pregnancy unless you're a woman and your cycle happens to be off. Um, so it was, it was just amazing to me how the, the, this petition had basically twisted um, what, what the reality of the situation, how the, the basically allowed the stereotypes of these clinics to basically um, draw their image of this of what was the reality before them, basically. Um, and um, so the more I started to learn about it, the more I sort of was like, well, I need to get this information out there. So um, as soon as I could, I actually, I didn't mention, I sat down with two other people um, involved in these clinics as well. Um, I sat down with Carice Trandum, who works with the Pregnancy Resource Center, as well as a, um, I forget the, the, the technical term for it, but basically somebody that's that worked out of the out of the van that was like a I think it was a sonographer I think is what they call it um, but I sat down with both of them as well and got sort of like a second opinion I didn't record those um, or I didn't put them out in, in, in the initial video but um, so I formulated um, to the two um, interviews I did with the executives and I put together a video uh, just a short seven minute video going through um, the petition and just laying things out, laying all the claims out there, um, and just being straightforward and being like, this this petition is is not factual, um, according to what I found. Um, and then I put in um, my videos I did with the executives. You know, had them had it basically partnered with the claims from the YDSA saying. Oh, yeah, you know, it's not HIPAA certified. And then I had Scott Beyer would say, yeah, we are HIPAA certified. We, we, it's a yearly process we go through to get HIPAA certified. Uh, we do have medical professionals on staff. We, we don't have that, that van on campus for pregnancy age specifically. We have it for uh, STD care. Um, and so I got that all put together. And um, I forget, I think it was the week before spring break, I launched it on YouTube and put up a bunch of flyers on campus um, to basically kind of do like a like a big expose announcement. Um, and funny enough, about two days after this, uh, that the, these posters were put up, I came back to campus and all the flyers had been covered up by the YDSA, or some were actually taken down, um, and they were being covered up by this counter flyer that basically stated that I was taking them out of context, and if you really look at their their claim on their petition, they were somehow I was incorrect with my understandings, which was w- w- just a a desperate kind of claw at some sort of uh, to kind of gain the the sympathies of the student body and be able to see, make me seem like uh, I was not giving them a fair shake, which I was. I I, I went through their their resource page they had on abortion care. I went through um, their full petition. I, I made direct quotes, um, and yet they, they, they still were, were trying to purport me as being uh, you know, 
basically putting out misinformation. Um, and then what even got more interesting is as I started to move these these flowers off of my my own flowers so the people could actually see the you know the information and then click on the QR code and and go to my U my YouTube video. Um, I actually ended up getting an email from somebody involved in student engagement who was basically being like, hey, um, so I understand you, um, we had a bit of a uh, situation go on here. Um, we have some people who are accusing you of harassment on campus uh, in regards to a video that you've put out. Turns out that somebody involved with the YDSA had lodged a complaint against me stating that I was misrepresenting them and I was removing their flyers from the campus and I was uh, you know, basically blo blocking their, their right to speak, uh, which, which is somewhat uh, laughable to me because I, I was the one who was being respectful and I wasn't taking anything down, I was moving them off and they were the ones that were, or I'm not, I'm not sure if it was the, the, the club specifically, but somebody was going around and actually removing the flyers. But because I didn't know who they were, I wasn't able to make a complaint about it. Uh, but even if I did know, I probably wouldn't go after them. Um, but so I went ahead and dealt with that. It was no big deal. I just had a, had a call with the guy and explained the situation. And he was like, oh, I understand. Okay, it's just politics, so I'll leave you alone. Um, but ever since then, it's uh, kind of been interesting. I'm, to some degree, persona non grata among these individuals. Or um, at this point, I, at least I am. Um, there's some things I would have probably done differently. Um, with that expose if I had done it again um, but it really taught me a lot um, and it kind of showed me where I want to go with my passions um, in terms of politics um, it was somewhat eye-opening to see like who I could reach um, if I had did things right with uh, the work I put out because uh, not not to kind of self-aggrandize but uh, I mean I I'm a decent writer you know and I, I can speak well and I can record videos and I, I know how to do these things and I, I know the stuff um, and I felt like to some degree I almost had an obligation to put these put this information out um, and this is going to kind of get into why I'm doing this podcast specifically um, and why I'm continuing to do uh, the work within the cultural sphere um, I mean, so just looking at where our nation is right now, and especially in the wake of the midterms, I would say that uh, right now is such a divisive and critical time for Americans um, and for the future of our country. Um, and I don't really see it as being a political issue. There are are serious, serious political um, issues going on, um, serious corruption. Uh, we've seen that in Arizona just recently um, with these mail-in ballots. Uh, I believe that there are to be um, some sort of voter fraud, um, but um, I don't see it really as an issue within the political sphere, or at least I don't see the solution as being something within that sphere. I don't think we can elect somebody who can, who can do the right things right now um, to, to solve the system. I think truly 
truly that this is a cultural issue. Um, and because I think just looking at how the nation has sort of decayed over time and how um, both sides have, have become more radicalized and unwilling to speak with one another is um, it's some, to some degree frightening. You know, I, I mean, like just seeing sort of the spectrum of people on my campus, um, like I'm sure there are some people on this campus who who think that I am the, the beliefs that I have are inherently evil and are inherently um, oppressive. And because I support them or are believe in them or um, purport, purport to stand with them, that I am basically um, enabling oppression and I'm an oppressor because of that. Um, and that's, that's sad. That's really sad. And um, really what I want to do is not show them that, that they're wrong, not show them that they're, they're false or that I'm better or, or anything like that or that they're the real oppressors. I just, if anything, if there's anything I can get out of it, out of this, it's having a discussion. If there is any way we can have any sort of real, actual progress for our nation, it's having open dialogue with each other because as it stands right now, neither side is wanting to have discussions with another, one another, neither side, not even the conservative side. And many people would say, oh, well, maybe the, I don't know, but the conservatives do. If you really look at it, we, we, we don't have the right conversations with, with the other side. And if you want you know, evidence for it, just look at the, the midterms. One of the reasons that we faltered so greatly with the quote-unquote red wave um, is because we failed at reaching the correct audience, which is the next generation, which is Gen Z, which is my generation. Um, you see, you know, like people on the progressive side of things, you know, going and posting on TikTok or Instagram, whatever. It's stupid, you know, or like Billie Eilish getting on and saying that this is this um, this election is you know, this decides democracy. Uh, democracy hangs in the balance, you know. It's, it's stupid. It's a, it's a, cheap, it's a cheap, cheap game to play, but uh, at the end of the day, it worked to some degree. I mean, you look at the percentage of people in my generation who voted progressive, um, it's staggering. It's, uh, it, it's insane. Um, and conservatives don't put in that same effort in that regard. You, you get, you know, you have Turning Point, uh, which puts on, you know, their, their events and their um, conventions and all this stuff. And you have different people, different organizations doing the same thing. But at the end of the day, like, those conventions um, cater to, you know, one specific side. They, can, they cater to basically the core audience that they, that they hang with. Um, you know, and that's like, you know, people who MAGA, Trump, you know, mega MAGA, as Biden would put it, um, and they don't really take the effort to step out of those boundaries and, um, and, and reach out to other people, or at least people in the middle, you know, which is, 
And the way you do that is, you know, you sit down and you have conversations. You don't make it like, you know, blah, 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 destroys liberal or destroys feminist. No, you just sit down and you have a conversation. You see it with stuff like Joe Rogan or um, I, I can't think of another uh, podcaster who really does that. But he's the prime example because he, he kind of stays politically aloof to the degree that he doesn't put out uh, put it out there like, oh, I'm a conservative. Oh, I'm a liberal. Oh, I'm a libertarian. No, he just goes and you can tell what his opinions are based upon the stances that he takes, um, but he never allows that to kind of get in the way of his conversations. Um, you see that with his uh, talks that he has with conservative you know, uh, pundits, or you see that with uh, liberal pundits that he interviews. Is he asks questions that um, <clears throat> that you know challenge them on both sides. Um, I mean, I saw one he did recently uh, with uh, Matt Walsh, um, and he challenged him on uh, why he believes, uh, you know, what he believes on gay marriage and such. Um, and uh, Matt Walsh was able to kind of give his his um, you know, rebuttal on that and and, and kind of. Uh, say what he has to say, and Joe Rogan kind of, you know, prodded him a little bit on that, and he does the same with other people, um, and that's just part of having the conversation, is, is kind of finding those weaknesses, and, you know, not making it as if it's a, it's a moral fallacy, or a moral, you know, I forget, I, I can't think of a word, but it, to not make it like a moral issue, um, really just to kind of look at the logic behind it, and maybe um, offer a critique to some degree. Um, but anyways, um, I'll go ahead and move on. Um, so I think the the right really needs to move away from the echo chambers that they found themselves in, you know, with the Facebook bomb groups um, um, and really kind of work towards expanding and reaching out into these new spectrums, um, these new, I say, new spheres of influence, I would say. Um, and the way you do that, I don't say you, I wouldn't say you have to like get on TikTok or Instagram and start doing goofy dances. I would say um, I would rather um, I would just rather see younger people be lifted up and um, popularized, and and see um, people within that social sphere kind of be uplifted or um, uh, maybe create events or um, environments that is that are. I hate to say the word safe because then it sounds like safe space, but almost um, accessible by both sides of the uh, both sides of the political spectrum. Um, and I think to some degree having a podcast like this is part of that part of that movement, uh, part of that push. Um, and that's why I kind of wanted to start it is because I think that, Having a podcast like this will be important for um, creating a space where both sides can be equally heard. Um, and that kind of will go into now how I really want to plan or how I want to basically run this podcast to the point, to the way, um, I'm trying to think of how I want to state this, um, how I want to run it so that those, the vision is upheld if you get what I'm saying. Uh, so I'll just kind of go off and list how my, I'll kinda, I'm going to try and make this kind of like a, a rules and bylaws for this um, podcast, you know, just for 
um, anybody to kind of go back and um, to check with, you know, or for myself to check with as well. Um, I'd say anyone and everyone is welcome to join this podcast. Um, this isn't, you know, a religious podcast. This isn't, this isn't a political podcast. This isn't a cultural podcast. In some, in some ways, it's all three and maybe a little bit more on top of that. Um, and with that, it's not biased. I, I don't want to make it, you know, really targeted towards one side or the other. Uh, I might fail in that to some degree, but um, I want to make it to where it's accessible to both sides at least. Um, and with that, I want to be able to um, offer any viewpoint. Um, I want to at least provide a space for any viewpoint to be heard, um, so long as it's appropriate and respectful to some degree. Um, and, you know, you, uh, uh, it can be a bit of a gray space, I would say. Um, but, you know, I'll use my judgment on that one. Um, and anyone that comes onto this podcast that I would say um, has a viewpoint that differs um, with mine in any way, shape, or form is to be shown the utmost respect um, for, and just in terms of how I treat them on this podcast and how um, how they are represented. I don't want to be making jokes. I don't want to be disparaging them, saying they're, they're evil because of that. Um, I don't want to do that. And that goes more into my following uh, kind of rule for this. Um, I want to make a comp conscious effort not to disparage anyone without, at least without specific evidence or backing. Um, and then, yeah, that doesn't sound great when I say it, but um, maybe I, I can rephrase it. Um, I, w I don't want to to really highlight anything in a negative fashion without there being specific uh, factual backing for it. That's a better way of putting it, I would say. Um, and to some degree, I, I would say that because I don't inherently see uh, individuals as as good or evil. I see it as a bit of both, and to some degree, I see evil as evil, and people can simply, or simply, we, we, we live in a, dis, a, a dis, I'm trying to think, how do I, is it deceptive? Yeah, it's deceptive. We live in a, or deceitful, that's it. We live in a deceitful world, um, and people are deceived, you know. I'm, in, I'm inherently deceived. I, I've I've struggled with deception for all of my life, and everybody struggled with some form of deception. Um, and for, to some degree, this podcast is um, the, the the aim of it is de is deciphering what really is deception. You know, what what can we see as deception, and how can we bring people out of it? Um, so, I don't want to, you know, harden anybody's heart by saying, "Oh, you 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 support this? Can you believe you're you're evil for doing that?" I don't know. And because that's just going to harden people's hearts, and then we're not going to have any really effective dialogue. It's not going to change anybody's mind. It's just going to make people angry, and it's just, it's it, uh, to some degree, makes me a hypocrite, you know. Um, so I don't want to be able, I don't want to put anybody on blast um, in that sense. The only w way I can really put, you know, communicate criticism to somebody um, is if it comes from a place of calling them higher rather than calling them out. That's a that's a phrase that my buddy kind of uses. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you higher. You know, um, it's any sort of criticism is not really meant to be a point of disparagement or or 
a point of like, oh, no, you know, um, of, you know, of canceling or, you know, you see it with other podcasts, people get on there and put people on blast and, and, um, and things will cascade and, you know, get on Twitter and then suddenly so-and-so is uh, dropped by whoever or dropped by this or dropped by that. And then, you know, they become persona non grata. And I don't want to enable that to any degree. Because once again, I don't feel it's it's effective, and I don't think it's the world we should live in. Um, so, I don't want to use this podcast to any degree to to make somebody seem as if they are inherently evil or are are sort of geared towards evil. And I want to rather I would want to encourage people through it, you know, more so like in a sense of a critique. You know, uh, I I want people to. If I'm going to talk about something that is, you know, that that highlights somebody as in, in a negative fashion, I want to be able to to turn around and be like, well, I wish, I I I hope that this all gets resolved and everybody kind of ends this amicably, amicably, and we can step away from this with, um, with you know, with a good sort of sense of acquaintanceship. Um, so. That's my third point, or my that was my second point. Uh, the third point is I want to make my content focus towards the next generation and the culture surrounding that. So um, when guests come on, um, I want their. Uh, we can talk about just about anything. If you want to talk about spiritual, um, you know, topics, you want to talk about political topics, you want to talk about cultural politics, you want to talk about whatever, cars. Uh, I, I, anything because it's all to some degree in this the cultural sphere and i'm willing to uh you know i'm willing to give that a space uh, on this podcast um but at the end of the day i want to kind of focus back up at least at the end of these these episodes and ask uh, what are your prospects for the next generation where do you see us going what is a proper solution or at least what, what do you see as being a possible solution if any um what advice would you give to the next generation? What word would you give to somebody um, who's struggling or who, who sees something um, within the sphere? Uh, and I think that these rules will help this podcast to be the most effective and the most respectful it can be within the space it is. I know it's 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 a tough game to play, especially when you're playing with politics. It's yeah, um, you, you you can't really go into it without offending somebody, and I'm sure this this podcast will offend people, and I'm I'm not discouraged by that, or I'm not uh, I, I expect that, and I don't I'm not gonna let that you know hold this con- or hold the conversations back to any degree, um, and I certainly won't let it you know uh, impact what I talk about either, um, but I still want this to be a space that upholds respect while still asking the important questions. So uh, I guess with that, I'll, I'll kind of just let you know what you can expect to see next. Um, I have a couple of things lined up. Um, I really want to make sure that this podcast um, is focused on the next generation, and part of that comes with talking with people within that generation. So, you know, I want to sit down with students that are here 
in, in the university talk about their experience, what they see as a solution, where they see our generation going and how they feel we should deal with it going forward. I'm also going to be talking with people um, who are familiar with theology, philosophy. Um, I have one person who actually um, hangs out around campus. He sits in a, uh, a little lawn chair out, out on uh, the campus lawn and um, basically asks questions about God to people. Or he doesn't ask the questions. He has a little whiteboard, and he'll have like a question on there. And it's like, what is God? Or who is God? Um, how do we know God is real? And he allows students to come up and have conversations um, with him. And he he's actually, I forget if, he's been to seminary, and he has he has a uh, pretty uh, lengthy pedigree in terms of his knowledge on theology. Um, I actually had a, had a brief lunch with him uh, just last week, and I think he will provide some really interesting background on um, on theology and, and the existence of God and how we know God exists and how we as believers need to operate uh, in this broken world. Um, so he's going to be on at some point in the future. Um, but um, what I have going on for next week, which or actually it's, it'll be this week on Thursday, I have a interview lined up. It's not really an interview. We're just going to have a conversation. I have a con- I'm going to have a conversation uh, with Matthew Bogan, who is the president of Shabbat, I think is how you pronounce it, Shabbat, uh, which is the Jewish um, club here on campus, as well as the college conservatives. Um, and recently he's um, come under blast from the, the university. The university is basically uh, discriminated against his, his right of free speech. Um, and we're going to go ahead and talk about that um, and talk about how that reflects um, the culture's uh, aversion to traditional ideas and um, protecting their, basically their, their core audience, which is, you know, radical leftists, which is interesting because, you know, that um, seems like they're always kind of catering to this, this one, this really small percentage of people who have the most radical ideas. Um, they don't, they aren't more so um, focused on the majority of their, their voting, uh, the majority of their their voters who are more I would I would argue more lenient in terms of their beliefs they it always seems like they're they're so uh, adamant about uh, protecting the the most radical ideas um, and maybe that goes into just the the fallen nature of the world which is just sort of uh, falling within the, the the greatest form of deception but we'll talk about that more um he he has a lot of great insight um he is i would say highly intelligible um has a lot of great uh world experience just for his age he's, he's quite young he's, he's older than me um, but he's been to tallahassee for an internship within um, the capital um, as well as a few different things and he, he's taken on a lot of leadership roles um, and i think he'll give some interesting insight for um campus life especially for people who aren't on campus um, and at some point here in the future um, I would hope to get um, the people responsible for the uh, pregnancy resource center petition on here which would be the Young Democratic Socialists of America and I know uh, if anybody buddy from that uh, that group is listening or, or they've you know, taken the time to listen which I, I'm not sure they will but um, I do want to offer them, you know, a place to just have a respectful conversation um, and just talk, you know, 
talk about where their stances are. How, see, it. I want to see what their solutions really are for this nation, and really kind of maybe you know ask some questions about it. Um, and I don't really know if they'll in any way entertain this idea because they they'll probably think they'll it'll just be used as an opportunity to, to paint them in a negative light. But I do want to offer them just a, a fair shake at that. So, um, but anyways, um, this is kind of it. You know, um, I'm going now for 40 minutes. I can't believe I was able to go this long. But, um, well, I will, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, prepare myself for the next one. And I um, uh, hope you all tune in next time. This has been the Modern Counterculture. <laughs>